around the nation and around the world. Here's your host, Alexander Garrett. from my church this afternoon at uh, or this morning at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in New Weehawken. It was a great day. It was a great morning, a great Christmas pageant. And that is how we kick off the Sunday pod. Uh, prayers for those involved with a terrible 35 or more car pileup in Virginia today. Fog and ice leading to a massive pileup leading to death and injury. We pray for those on this Christmas weekend before Christmas. And uh, speaking of weekend before Christmas, do you ever think about the veterans around this time or the veterans abroad that are still serving this great nation even during the Christmas holiday? Well, on the line with me right now is a man named Jason Van Camp. You're, we were, you were a Green Beret, so tell us about that experience and why your story is, is a compelling one. Yeah, so uh, my story started in Springfield, Virginia. That's where I'm from, so uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. And I uh, went to West Point. I served a two-year Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints mission to St. Petersburg, Russia while I was there. Uh, I played football all four years, and when I graduated, I joined the military, as is tradition. You know, you, uh, you get commissioned as a second lieutenant. And in my career, I uh, became a Ranger, and I became a Green Beret. And the Green Beret training is about a two, two and a half year process. And it's mainly in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, very difficult. You know, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about leadership. And uh, I chose to go that route. You know, I'm a very uh, patriotic. I love our country and I, and I love leading men and I love serving others. That's kind of why I did what I did. We'll touch on the book for, in a minute, but playing at West Point had to be such a thrill for you. Uh, well, yeah, it definitely was a thrill. It was definitely a hard four years, though, brother. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, it's not for everybody. Uh, there are times when I, I wish I would have gone to a, <laughs> uh, what would you quote, unquote, normal college and, ex- and experience what that was like. But uh, West Point's a, a good place to be from, but it's not a good place to be at. That's how the, uh, the, the phrase goes. So it was a very interesting, uh, difficult time for me personally. And uh, it just made me a tough tougher, stronger, uh, more well-rounded person in the long run. No, I know that you just said you, you played as well. What was your position? I'm just curious. You played on the Army football team? Is that what it was? Yeah, that's right. I was a linebacker. Oh, very cool. So we are uh, on the station I produce for. We are Army games on WMCA every week. So Great. So uh, we have that connection there. Uh, but on my own podcast, I love to delve into things that people aren't delving into. And let's be honest here, Jason. Um, the military around this time of year, the loneliness and sadness that might be felt on bases around the world is only felt on Thanksgiving when they put cameras in the bases, but that lingers beyond what the cameras show during the football games and every other sporting event. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So they, you know, it, it depends, you know, when I first was deployed in OAF one and the initial invasion, we have a whole lot of TV, uh, but in subsequent deployments, um, yeah, they had TVs and you could watch games especially the Army-Navy game, which is a huge game. Um, I took my nonprofit, Warrior Rising, to the Army-Navy game in Philadelphia last week. So a week from today ago, uh, we were at the Army-Navy game, and um, 
Although Army has won three games in a row, we got our asses handed to us, unfortunately. Uh, so we'll have to gear up and get ready for for 2020. Right, and and so around this time, though, what do you feel like the military is acknowledged enough? Do you feel like there's still some things not talked about with the military in such a very great time of the year? What's it like on a military base during Christmas, during Thanksgiving, during the holidays? So when I was on a military base in combat, um, they did try to do some things. You know, the the, the mess hall, the, the defect, you know, they would put holiday decorations up. They would do special things, have a special meal. And that was appreciated. But most of the time, I was in an austere environment with my team. And so we didn't, we didn't ever, never did we ever uh, sit around and kind of feel sorry for ourselves. Uh, as a matter of fact, on Christmas, the enemy was either attacking us because they knew it was a holiday or we were going out and doing missions. Um, and so that's kind of how it, it kind of went down when I was with the in special forces units. Did you, and obviously you had to miss your family during these times when you were in combat, right? Yeah, you know, I was, uh, I actively, I voluntarily made the choice um, not to get married or have kids while I was in the military. I, I got married as soon as I left the military. I medically retired in 2015, and that year I got married. And then two years later, my wife and I had our first uh, kid, a daughter named Claire Jane. And then uh, two years after that, we had another um, kid, a son named Jack. So I never realized how difficult it was uh, for those guys, my guys on my team and the guys that were my peers, you know, and my superiors having families and being deployed like i have a newfound respect having a family now knowing that if i had to be away from them that would be you know a very difficult perhaps even catastrophic you know um situation to deal with would you ever hear from your friends on the base oh i miss my family and i talked to my family like what were they like to interact with knowing that they had families around this time you know they were tough and you know, knowing what I know now, you know, they were a lot tougher than I gave them credit for. You know, I would hear how much they missed their wives and their families and their kids and so forth. And, and uh, you know, I, I felt for them. I had empathy for them, but I didn't really understand that it was as difficult as, as they were uh, kind of downplaying it a little bit. You know, it was a lot more difficult than they made it out to be. We're talking with Jason Van Camp. Jason, thanks so much for doing this today. And uh, you are doing you are a Green Beret, so you could tell us really what the holiday season is like for our veterans. And I guess what I'm trying to say is most people don't think of our vets at this time of year. Would you agree with that? You know, it just depends. You know, there, there are people that get it and they love veterans and they are patriotic and, and they really, you know, expose their hearts and, and they care about us. And, and that's so appreciated. And there's others that just don't. And no matter how hard you try, they're just really not going to care much. But I think that, you know, across the country, Nobody, very few people are really going to um, give you, you know, a negative commentary about our military right. veterans. I mean, generally, people are very supportive. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican Absolutely. or Democrat. They're supportive. You know, I, I truly believe that now. And it certainly wasn't the case in the Vietnam era. So um, the things that those guys went through coming home and being spit on and told that they're a baby killer and things like that, that's just unfathomable. And it stuck with a lot of them. You know, that, that treatment has stuck with them for the last 40 years or so. But let's, uh, let, let, let's talk about your story a little more. So w was your family in the, involved with the Green Berets or 
Was your family in the military at all? You know, my dad served in the Vietnam era, and he, uh, when he got out of the military, he only served for a few years. He joined the government as um, an employee, so he worked at the Pentagon and uh, the AMC Army Material Command Building in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, for a long time. And so it was kind of interesting growing up uh, in the suburbs of D.C. because a lot of us growing up there, we didn't know what our dads did. You know, and that certainly was the case with my dad. I asked him what he did, and he always skirt the issue. So to this day, I'm not exactly sure what he did, and I would just tell folks that my dad works for the government, and, uh, and there were no other follow-on questions after that. Now, you have a story to tell. You're writing your book. What, what inspired you to write your new book? So I wrote a, a few articles with Chris Desi in Inc. Magazine. And one of the articles uh, was about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And that got so much attention, certainly more views than any of the other articles that I, that I wrote. And I thought to myself, man, like, if I were to write a book, this seems to be a theme that really resonates with folks. And so we kind of changed the... Um, the mission of my for-profit business, Mission Six Zero, so that we own the getting comfortable being uncomfortable space. So everything that we do at our company is is all about getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Our curriculum, you know, our, our keynote presentations, our workshops, everything. And so I wanted to write a book about that, and I wanted to write a book about the amazing people that I have on my team. Uh, you know, twelve veterans, twelve scientists, unbelievable stories, experiences. And uh, that was the catalyst for writing our book, uh, Deliberate Discomfort, uh, How U.S. Special Operations Forces Overcome Fear and Dare to Win by Getting Comfortable Being Uncomfortable. Well, and, and were the scientists that you have teamed up with, have they been in the war zones as well? Some of them, but not all. Like, I bring them on the team because I want them to be scientists, PhDs, researchers, experts, to give us a different perspective, you know, um, for folks that... Uh, need to understand and get the kind of the military jargon translated into a more palatable, um, you know, relatable uh, dialogue. And so that's that's where they come from. I, we've we've learned a lot since we started our company, Mission Six Zero. And in the beginning, we would tell our clients a lot of uh, experiences and tell them what we have learned about leading in combat and about you know winning. And a lot of times, my my veterans, when they were asked questions from our clients, they really couldn't give in-depth answers because they didn't know why they were doing the things that they did. And so a lot of times they would answer, I'm not really sure, I just did it, or I relied on my training or things like that. And I realized we could do more and we should do more. And that's when I brought on the scientists so they could translate what the veteran is saying into uh, practical application for the, for the audience members. What what stories you had said right off the get go that going to West Point made you uncomfortable from the beginning. So yeah. what was it about that experience, and and what did you learn from that experience, and what have you learned, and what stories could you share with us today, uh, without giving away the book? Sure, I'll I'll tell you whatever you guys want to know. So West Point um, was a definitely an uncomfortable experience for me, and I think it was because uh, I wasn't mentally prepared for what I was going to go through. Uh, I was recruited to play college football there and, and uh, listening to the recruiters, I was under the impression that, you know, I would have a, a different experience, you know, and I wasn't really told a whole lot about the military. I was told a lot about the army football team and what I had to expect there. 
And so I was kind of mentally preparing myself more for college football rather than for the military, you know, um, and getting there, it was the complete opposite. It was a completely a military experience and, and playing football was, you know, unfortunately kind of like just uh, a side project, ex- extracurricular activity. It's kind of looked at uh, at West Point where I wanted to make it the primary reason I was going to college. So it was an eye-opening experience for me uh, for that reason. And then when I got there, I realized, hey, you know, this isn't a good fit for me. You know, like if everything was equal, I'd probably leave. But I learned that I didn't want to be a quitter and I wanted to stick things out. So I learned about determination and resourcefulness and being loyal. And, you know, also building bonds with just amazing people. You know, I don't want it to seem as though I'm bashed on West Point. Everybody has a different experience going up there. Mine was a negative one. But uh, the people that you meet there, the lifelong bonds, the friendships that you make there, are absolutely unbelievable. Talk with Jason Van Camp on the Sunday pod with Alex Garrett. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Uh, what was it like then? So you have this experience on campus. Now you go to base and then you get deployed. And that deployment time must have been very trying for you. Or what was that like? Well, it was kind of the opposite. I absolutely loved my military experience. It was incredible. And to be quite frank with you, I think it was incredible because it was the complete opposite of my West Point experience. And so um, going into combat deploying was something I was very excited about. It felt like, um, you know, you're going into game day. You were training and going to practice. And then all of a sudden it's, it's game day. Let, let's, see, let's see what you got. And so I was a little nervous, a little scared, as, as is everyone, you know, before they go over because they don't know what to expect. Uh, but once we got over there um, the first time um, and seeing what I saw and doing the things that we did, you, you learned to – uh, get pretty good at what you're doing pretty quickly uh, or else you'll die, you know, or you won't survive. So uh, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, uh, the challenge and the leading uh, of the man and the troops. That was really something that I, I resonated with. Well, any, any fascinating stories that you want to tell us today and the other stories that we can look forward to in the new book you're, you're coming out with? Sure. So let me tell you a little bit about the book and, and some of the stories we have there. So, Delivered discomfort follows my journey as a Green Beret. So I report to my unit for the first time, and I speak with my company commander, my boss. And he says, Jason, um, I'm going to give you command of one of our teams, and you're going to combat just in a few weeks. But before you do, I need you to understand what is it about our company that makes us so unique and so special. And so I need you to talk to a number of people in our company to understand what makes them tick, understand why they make the decisions they make, and understand their viewpoint on leadership. And so each chapter in the book, I speak to a different individual, and they share with me their experiences. And some of those guys are just, I call them heroes. You know, I I don't, don't believe that heroes get a vote, you know, so they wouldn't call themselves heroes, but I can call them heroes and guys like Leroy Petrie who's a Medal of Honor recipient and he uh, has an unbelievable story where he's in Afghanistan and he's under uh, attack by a Taliban unit and a grenade falls near his position he's shot through both legs twice he picks up the grenade throws it the grenade explodes blows his arm off he puts a tourniquet on his right arm switches his 
rifle from his right arm to his left arm, continues fighting the Taliban, defeats the Taliban, and gets some of his men to the medevac helicopter so they can be saved. So he's rightfully in the middle of water. Absolutely unbelievable story. And he and I talk about that experience in intimate detail, firsthand account. And I ask him questions about that. And he shared with me his experiences. Uh, you know, Flo Groberg, another Medal of Honor guy on my team, he talks about tackling a suicide bomber, saving the lives of, of many, many people in his unit. You know, uh, Steve Mueller, who's a Green Beret, a Navy SEAL, and an Army Ranger. We talk about his, you know, experiences and, and why he did what he did and, and the fact that he has a Ph.D. in embracing the suck, you know. I've got Nate Boyer, who's one of my closest friends, who talks about, you know, not so much combat experiences, but about why he joined the Green Berets and, and why he uh, thought it was possible to walk on to the University of Texas football team as a 29-year-old true freshman who's never played football a day before in his life, make the team, become the most inspirational college football player in 2013, winning an award for such, and then going on to play in the NFL. Um, I mean, I'm, Joey Jones, another guy, I could go on all day long. You know, a Marine oh, double amputee talks very intimately about the day where he stepped on an IED and got blown up and what was going through his mind and, and, the, and, the, uh, and the way that he overcame adversity. So, you know, Alex, just unbelievable people. And uh, I'm so, so proud of the book. And I'm so proud of the guys on my team. Now, I don't know if it's out yet. Would you say it's a great Christmas gift or is it out? Is it not out yet? So it's ready for pre-sales right now. And you can order the book on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And it'll be out officially on February 18th, 2020. So if you uh, order the book for pre-sales, then the book will be shipped on February 18th. Now, you talk about the stories. I got to ask you, here at home, if people do encounter military families during this time, like even on the road, you know, you're on planes, you fly with a lot of people. How can we talk to those who have members of the military serving right now in this very, you know, fragile holiday season for them, I imagine? So how, so the question is, how would you recommend that people talk to military families? Yeah, I, I think that's a big conversation that not many people have in today's world. Would you agree? I do. I, I, uh, I think the, the prevailing response is, to say thank you for your service. And I think that's very standard. I think that's within protocol, and I think that's appreciated. Um, my response to people who say that is, you know, don't let me down. And that's something that Leroy Petrie taught me. And so I, I kind of respond in that fashion. Uh, I've heard, you know, I've read some articles lately, and I've heard that uh, the majority of veterans don't like when people say thank you for your service. And so I don't really understand that. Um, but if it offends someone, then, you know, that's their truth. That's their uh, opinion. And you need to be aware of that. So I would just, you know, as somebody thanking someone else for their service or having to respond, I, I would just speak from the heart. And uh, whatever heart your heart is telling you, just go with that. Um, if the veteran looks like he wants to have a conversation with you, by all means, have a conversation. If the veteran looks like he's in a hurry, or he doesn't have a whole lot of time, but you want to express your gratitude, just say thank you for your service. And I, and I think that is, is just really appreciated, you know? Now, you say you were at the Army West Point, uh, Army-Navy game last week. Because he's inserted himself, inserted himself into the military conversation, 
Trump, I covered politics on here as well. I don't know if you want to get into it or not. But Trump did get a rousing ovation there. Why does the military seem to like this president? You know, he did. And uh, I was at the uh, World Series game in Washington, D.C. with the Nats and the uh, Game 5 Nats and Houston Astros uh, in October. And he, he was booed relentlessly. And I was at the Army-Navy game on Saturday, a week from uh, today. And he was cheered, you know, like r religiously cheered almost. And I feel like Trump is a guy, well, number one, he's Republican. And I think our military tends to uh, go in that kind of pro-Republican conservative sure. direction for a sure. variety of reasons. And I also think that Trump is a guy that he's getting results. I mean, if you look at the numbers, like things are happening under his, his leadership. And he's a guy that just really doesn't take any crap. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants, says whatever he wants. And I think that really resonates with a lot of folks. Um, it's so different than what we've been used to with, with the politicians, you know, in the past saying, um, using kind of like the political terminology and, and kind of saying the same things over and over again, but not really saying anything. And, and Trump is, is not a politician. And I think that really resonates with a lot of people. Now, I will tell you during the impeachment hearing, impeachment voting debate on Thursday, really quickly, Rashid Tlaib invoked the veterans and how we have to do this because, you know, like this veteran service. I felt like that was such an inappropriate connection to vote for impeachment and to say, oh, the veterans also, we should support them as well. It felt like a very inappropriate connection that day. Yeah, you know, it, it's just so frustrating to, to see what's going on. It almost seems like a waste of time because, you know, it's, the impeachment's not going to get through. You know, and it's just like, well, what are we doing? Like, look at the big picture. Let's play a chess game. You know, I understand they want to make a statement, but ultimately he's not going to get impeached. And um, it's just a political statement. And it's just frustrating because I feel like we should be and could be focusing on other things, you know, spending our time solving problems, you know, real Absolutely. problems we have instead of running around and being upset that, you know, their candidate didn't get elected you know, in 2016. Right. Now, Jason, one other, one thing is you said you have all these uh, projects you do. Talk about that a little bit, because obviously there's more than a book. You've got a lot of stuff going on for you right now. I do. I do. The book is, uh, I'm very proud of the book. And that's kind of our main focus right now is we need to market the book and let people understand that what we're trying to do is create a, a deliberate discomfort revolution. And so that means that we're trying to get people to uh, voluntarily, deliberately choose to improve themselves in some way. And whatever that might be, like going on a diet, you know, having a tough dialogue with someone, uh, quitting your job and starting a business, doing something that makes you uncomfortable, but ultimately will be a good thing for you in the long run. I was going to so say, kind of where we're trying to start. Well, no, would you say that the entrepreneurial spirit? has really been diminished here in America. And it sounds like you want to inspire even military vets. Hey, if you want a project, you can start your own project up, your own business up, and we're here to help you. Yeah, man. So I kind of feel like a lot of times when guys get out of the military, they're, when I got out of the military, I said the same thing that everybody else does. It's, it's now what? What am I going to do? 
and guys that don't have a support system or, or, or the friends or relationships to help them and guide them along a very successful path, they kind of fall into, you know, well, I'm going to be a government contractor or I'm going to get into security or I'm going to be a police officer. And all those are phenomenal jobs, you know, but we don't, as veterans, we don't have to do those things. There's plenty of other opportunities out there for you. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to inspire veterans to start their own businesses because with the skills that we have and the background that we have, there's no better entrepreneur out there. Veterans excel at starting businesses. I started my own business and I started a nonprofit that helps veterans start their own businesses as well. And it's called Warrior Rising. We've been around for four years. Um, we help 40 veterans a week start businesses. So we get 40 applicants every week signing up, going through our process, our program. And, um, and we're really excited about that. We've done amazing work in 2019 and we're going to double, hopefully triple our uh, revenue and uh, our veterans served in 2020. And well, and that's great. We should bring on once 2020 hits, get an update from you as well. And when the book yeah. starts really coming out in February, I'd love to have you back. Cause we've got, a lot of insight that I, uh, I love having on my podcast, Jason. Now, with, with in terms of making your own business, I don't know if you have the stats, but what is the veteran employment rate here in America right now? Are they afraid at these companies to hire veterans? Or what is there a stigma toward that that you, that you find? You know, for veteran employment, it's a little bit different. Uh, than veteran entrepreneurship or veteranorship. So there are plenty of nonprofits out there that are, that are uh, helping veterans get hired to find jobs. I've always thought, you know, either you're helping someone else achieve their dreams or you're achieving your own dreams. And that's how I look at having a job. Like somebody else had a dream and they hired you to help them achieve it, or you can start your own business and achieve your own dreams. And so that's what I look at. Uh, I think the national unemployment rate was like 4% in January 2019, so a year ago. And the veteran unemployment rate was just a little lower than that, like 3.7%. So uh, that's not that's not terrible. And, and I think Trump's done a good job of improving that so far in 2019. But if you're a veteran and you want to get a job, by all means, go and do it. Entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. It takes a special breed, a special mind. A special determination. And uh, as you know, not every veteran is created equal. And so you just got to be honest with yourself and be self-aware. Like, who are you? What would you do? Uh, what do you like doing? What would you be the best at getting a job or starting your own business? Because starting a business is difficult. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You know, you're probably not going to make a lot of money up front, but you're working hard and grinding so that you can make a lot more money in a few years down the road. Now, Jason, it is Christmas week. So uh, do you have a message for people this Sunday, either as a small business owner, as a person of faith, as a veteran, maybe of all three, uh, a Christmas message you'd like to share that you haven't shared anywhere else yet? I haven't shared any Christmas messages yet. And I appreciate that, Alex. And I don't really have anything uh, <laughs> profound to say other than my heart goes out to everybody deployed. You know, I wish you guys well. Uh, I want you to be safe. I want you to be smart. And I want you to know that there are plenty of people back home in the United States that are praying for you and wishing you a safe and happy Christmas, happy holiday season. And uh, that, that I'm sure, will resonate with even people here on this side, like who have family members in service during the Christmas week. That's going to be 
even harder than being on base. I, I can't imagine that toll. Uh, I know that they always wait the call to make sure their family is okay, and that's got to be stressful around Christmas time. Very stressful. You said it. So, uh, Jason, thank you for giving us some positivity today, however, into that we can correct the ship, so to speak, that veterans can find their own voices. And uh, where can people find you on Twitter, find your projects? And uh, does the book have a Twitter as well? No, we're not on Twitter, but we are on LinkedIn and Instagram and uh, Facebook. Those are the three main platforms that we use. So our website for Mission 60 is simply mission60.com. And you can really spell that in any way you'd like. Um, we have several URLs that direct you to the same spot. And you can find out about our services. You can even order delivered discomfort on our website uh, through Amazon. And Warrior Rising, if you're a veteran that is looking to start a business or you have a business and um, – you know, you're stuck and you need some help or you're a guy that wants to start a business, but you don't even have an idea. Come to Warrior Rising. We'll help you out. Apply on warriorrising.org. Uh, it's very intuitive, our website, very easy to use. And uh, we'll have someone reach back out to you within a week. Uh, during the holiday season, you know, uh, things will probably be a little different. So it might be a little longer than a week um, because of the holidays and everything. But just be patient and we'll get back with you soon. And then also, if you're a veteran supporter and you want to donate to Warrior Rising, please go to warriorrising.org as well. And you can uh, volunteer to be a mentor or you can donate before the end of the year. Obviously, it's a 501c3, so all donations are tax deductible. And you can write those off for your taxes. Uh, for Deliberate Discomfort, my book, you can go on Amazon uh, primarily to order the book and, uh, and get it uh, ordered there for pre-sales. And then it'll be shipped out on February 18th, 2020. Well, thank you so much for spending time today and have a blessed Sunday. Have a blessed Christmas. And we'll talk to you soon, Jason. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate the time. Good luck with you. God bless. Thank you. God bless. Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. And for those of you listening, thank you for listening and tuning into the Sunday Pod with Alex Garrett. The organ, by the way, played beautifully by our organist and music director, David Smith, arranged. And the whole day was nicely arranged by my friends and family at we Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. Take a listen to how we closed out this morning's fourth Sunday in Advent. And uh, really quickly, we're going to take you out with uh, more beautiful music from my church this afternoon, this morning, as we ended the service and the Christmas pageant service with Come All Ye Faithful. (laughs) 